Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. No matter what it is that men are saying, no matter how contrary it is to what God has said, we will speak the mind of God. John, see, there's a blessing that you, you may have fantasized, but you've never really truly expected because it's kind of like one of those blessings that begins, uh, how do I explain this? You know how they talk about the man of the moment and people don't talk about the moment of the man because not many people know the moment of the man. We just know the man of the moment. Most of the billionaires we know, we don't know exactly the moment that made that, that deal, that changed everything, you see? And, and you're about to experience one of those blessings that changes everything. You see, you're about to experience it. And because I, I didn't really know why I, I was asked to call you to come up again and pray, even though you had led us in prayer initially. Uh, but I believe the Lord will have you come up to pray about remaining steadfast in the midst of what's about to come economically because he has rooted you in such a way that he's making an example of you of a blessing that makes all the difference. And I'm not ashamed and afraid to declare it here because I know that faithful is he because he would do it. And so just let your expectation rise through the roof. I am telling you, what we, 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 we may have to start praying for you to be humble. It's that kind of blessing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brother Lawrence is like, maybe I'm not the one to lead that prayer. I, I can read that from your face. <laughs> God is good. Today, by the grace of God, I'm going to be uh, speaking to us about an invitation that God is serving. It's an invitation that has long been served and we have been reminded because of the times that we're in. And I'm not going to be laboring us today with many examples or too many revelations or exposition simply because I want us to take this message in its brevity and simplicity and take it to heart and begin to act on it. It is not one of those messages that I, I know that it could be if, if I have been allowed to go that way to break it down, to open it up and to teach on it. But one thing the Lord would have me do is just to say it as briefly as possible so that y'all can focus on the actions as opposed to getting stuck on all the illumination, if that makes sense. And so this invitation is called, um, you see, before I tell you what the invitation is called, I want to quickly tell you the reason why it is very significant for us to receive or to be reminded of this invitation. A shaking is about to go on in the world. What we have been experiencing since the beginning of the COVID-19 season is not the shaking, is the preparation for the shaking. And I think it was on the 9th of March, I stood here and I, remind, and I declared, as the Lord showed to me, that what we're about to get into is not the, is not, uh, is not the end, it is a drill. And we need to take all of what is going on or all of what was about to happen and take it as a means or as exercises for preparing ourselves. 
So I want you to take everything that has happened since the COVID-19 season began as a drill, like you would have in an office building when they have a fire drill and then you go out, you stay in the parking lot in designated areas for a little while and then you come back inside and go back to your computers and go back about your businesses because what we have gone through is, is a drill of that sort. But now the real deal is about to be unleashed. The real shaking is about to be unleashed. And the beginning of it is almost going to be, it's going to be so subtle. Many people will not even know it's going on because it's going to be some occurrence in the realm of the spirit. The hearts of men will pick it up. But I tell you what, it might not be announced in the news. There might not even be many indices or many indicators of what is coming. But I tell you what, it is coming. Now, let me tell you what the Lord showed to me. You see, when you have a drill, there is no fire. There is just an announcement for you to get ready to see how prepared you are. But when there is an actual fire, there are times wherein the fire begins to burn and many people that are in the vicinity don't even know there is fire. You see what I mean? A building that is about 20 stories high doesn't just burn in an instant. The fire begins and there are times wherein the fire is already brewing, but the people do not. It is not the moment that the, the aeroplane hit the World Trade Center that destruction started. Destruction already began in the hearts of the men who loaded the bombs. You see what I mean? And destruction was already in the air for minutes long before there was impact. So there is already something in the air. But I want to tell you what, folks, it's not so that you can be afraid. It's so that you and rejoice because of the fact that God has already gone ahead to make a preparation for you to be in a place that has the seal of God's protection. So the invitation is an invitation for you to come to the place that has been prepared for you. Let's go back to the book of beginnings. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. You see, because the Bible says that there is nothing new under the heavens. So all of what we're about to experience is what is yet another exodus. God is calling his people out of a system that has oppressed us spiritually, that has oppressed a system that has been a system of oppression on multiple levels. We may have enjoyed plenty in the economy. We may have enjoyed a lot of human rights. We may have enjoyed a lot of consistency and stability, but there is still a lot of oppression going on as far as the body of Christ is concerned. The body is being stifled in a number of ways. But then at the end of the day, when the time comes for God to call out his people and make them separate, there is a way in which he does it. And he does it the same way pretty much every time. He did it at the beginning. Uh, he did it with, with Noah when he prepared his family to go into the ark. He did it with the children of Israel when he brought them out of Exodus. He did it with the church when the church was born at the beginning and they had to be made separate for this, from the system of the day. It was yet another kind of Exodus. And right now we're about to experience another kind of Exodus. Now let me just give you an insight or remind you of what all of this is about. Many of us have become so accustomed to having this life or this world run the way that it runs to the point wherein we're not even 
aware of the extent to which we have allowed systems and people to take the place of God in our lives. Many of us don't know. Many of us don't know how much we have become dependent on the systems that exist when it comes to our providence. Many of us have missed many opportunities to have an engagement with God because there is a man that is offering some form of help. You see, the conveniences that have surrounded us in this generation and in this dispensation, even in developing countries, I'm not just talking about the developed world, such conveniences have allowed for us to show less dependence or dependency on God and more on ourselves and on people and on systems and on institutions and on organizations. And the Lord had said in his word that unto the Lord shall the gathering of his people be. So God is calling the body of Christ once again. He's calling his people once again to gather unto him. The very first thought in the heart of every one of us should be God. Whatever happens to you before you pick that phone to call emergency services, your very first thought should be to call on the name of God. Jesus talked about a time that will come in the world where there will be so much chaos and so much trouble. And he said on that day, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can I give you a scenario? Imagine if God forbid... When I say God forbid, I'm just saying that so that we can feel better. In reality, these things will happen. The Bible says that the heavens and the earth will pass away. So even the people who are in heaven right now walk in the streets of gold. It's temporal. It will pass away. So regardless of whether you're feeling pleasurable about life or you're struggling, everything will pass away. And the process of passing away is going to be a turbulent one. You think the flood was disastrous? God says, no, that's child's play. That's water. The next one I'm going to do, I'm going to do it by fire. There will be a shaking in the heavens. And even the stars, the Bible says, of the heavens will fall to the ground and it will burn. And so I'm just telling you, I'm reminding you, because Brother Lawrence said that we have been deprived. People have tried to um, uh, shield us away from certain truth of, truths of God's word. And we have been babied quite a lot. God did not call me to baby anybody. He's called me to speak the truth. I'll be it, I do it in love. You see what I mean? And so there's a shaking that is coming. There is a shaking already we've seen in the drill that has just been unfolding for a couple of months that many of people have lost their faith and, they didn't, and, and not even been aware of it. You, have you not seen the rate at which people have been so fearful? It is not possible for you to be afraid and have faith at the same time. It is impo it's not possible for you to say, oh, I have confidence in God. Oh, but somewhere I'm a little afraid. No, no, no. It's either you're afraid or you have faith. Choose this day whom you shall serve. You see what I mean? But many people are not even aware of it because their religion is still intact. They still speak Christianese. But their hearts tremble for fear. Now, that is a big disaster. You know that when we first read about the great apostasy, when the Bible says that before the Lord Jesus returns, there will be a great falling away, we thought that people would actually literally say that they're no longer believers. 
That, I mean, I don't know about you, but that's what I thought. I thought the apostasy is that people would just say, you know what? I'm not a believer anymore. I don't believe in the name of Jesus anymore. I just want to go and worship other gods or worship myself. You know, do as you will, as they say these days. You know, that's what we thought. But it is so subtle today that many people have fallen away from the faith and they don't even know it. The worst kind of pain is the one that you're going through that you're not aware of. Imagine if somebody cuts off your leg and you don't feel the pain and you're still smiling. How would you get the help that you need? You see what I'm, what's going on? And that is what strategy the enemy used. The enemy got many people drunk with the affairs of this world. And they were so drunk and intoxicated by the affairs and the concerns of this world that when he started to take away from them the true riches of the kingdom, they did not even feel the pain of severance. And that is the reason why God is bringing about the events of these times to wake us up. The shaking is not because God wants to test the foundations of the earth. The shaking is because he needs for the righteous to awake once again and sin no more. And so I tell you all of that to tell you that we're on the brink of another exodus. But for the people that will enjoy the benefit of any exodus, one thing is critical. The most important thing when there's about to be deliverance when God is about to intervene, when God is about to rescue his people and bring about another exodus or a separation or an elevation, one thing is most important of all. And that thing is your location. Imagine if Noah had built the ark and just before it started raining, he was standing outside the ark. He would have been flooded away. Imagine if... Let me give you another example. Imagine if on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were together and in one place, and all of that Holy Spirit that came, where did he go? He went into one room. The Bible says, and the Holy Spirit filled the place that they were in. There was no record of him filling anywhere else. So imagine if after waiting for Jesus to send the promise and the day of Pentecost came and that Russian mighty wind happened and you were at the pub downstairs. You would have had to get the second-handed Holy Spirit. You see, God is always particular about where people are at when there is about to be a deliverance. When God is about to take you from here to there, he requires for you to go to a certain place. The chariot of fire could have navigated and found Elijah where he was when he was discussing with Elisha. But he said, no, I must go to a certain place. Your location is very critical. And God, because of the fact that he is the architect of the system and he is the author and the finisher of your faith, he chooses to pick a point. So when God is coming to separate us from this world as he has promised so that we can be equipped to come back and rule and reign with Christ, the pickup location is set up by God himself. And that's what he's telling me today. He said the shakeup is about to begin. I need my people to be at the pickup location. 
And so today, we would look at the ones who came before us and what their pickup location is so that we can recognize our own pickup location. Read with me from the book of Genesis chapter 45. And we're going to read from verse 9. Verse 9 says, hurry and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. The reason why we've read that is because of the fact that the Bible says he that will come, will come and will not tarry. And as soon as we're getting closer and closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Bible says the spirit and the bride will say, come. Now, I let you see that because there is an order and a progression to things. And God does it the same way pretty much every time. And so as Jacob was sent for and said to him, come and do not tarry. That should be the posture of every believer's heart as we pray. The Bible says Jesus himself speaking. He says as you. He said, when you see all these things, this commotion happening around you, he said, then you lift up your eyes because then your redemption is near. But he didn't just say standing and look and stare. He says, watch and pray. So we're going to be watching in anticipation, but we're also going to be praying. And our prayer is for him to come and to not tarry. Let me tell you something. It is our responsibility to speed up the redemption. Let me tell you something, if it takes another 10 years, another 20 years, another 50 years before Jesus comes back, when you look at the turn of events, it will still align with the word of God. But it doesn't have to take another 60 years. I don't believe that we need any more time to fix this world because we cannot. The Bible says our salvation is in only one name, and that is the name above every other name. So I'm not waiting for science to get better. I'm not waiting for techn technology to be more effective. I mean, you saw what happened a couple of days ago. Apple released a new iPhone, and myself and my son, after about an hour and 20 minutes of watching the video, we're like, what's new? It's like, there's no, all the technology is already in the phone that's in my pocket. They may call it another name, but it's like, yeah, what is he doing that this one isn't doing? Certain things have already peaked. Democracy as it is has already peaked. Places that we never thought would have democracy, they, show they have democracy, but then the quality of people's lives haven't changed. And in the places wherein we have enjoyed the benefit of democracy, the law of diminishing return has set in right now, wherein the same democracy that is supposed to allow for the people to have the liberty to live their lives to glorify God is now becoming liberty for people to give an occasion to the flesh. Many people are asking now to do certain things like, oh, my eight-year-old boy woke up yesterday and says he feels like a girl, so today we're going to dress him up like a princess. And we can do that because we have liberty. The Bible says never take your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. What is all that telling us? All of that is telling us that no matter how long it takes, from here on, it can only get worse in the hands of men. The only way it's going to get better is for us to experience that second coming. We need to experience that renewal. You see, because all of what Jesus paid for is still on the earth for the most part. You're saved, praise God. But are you redeemed? Jesus paid the price for your salvation. 
And he says, I'm going to leave them there until the day comes wherein I will redeem them. So we are currently in a layaway. And I don't want to be laid away forever. Even if I don't have an expiration date, I want to be with the one who paid for me. And the responsibility is ours to ask him to come. Many of us don't know that. And so we're like, oh, Jesus will come sometime. Yes, he will come sometime. But then at the end of the day, he has also given us the ability, the opportunity to speed up when he comes. And how do we do that? By praying him to return. Can I give you another example? In Revelations chapter 8, I believe, the Bible says that in the presence of God, the angels were there. They were standing and they did not move until the bowl of prayer was full. And that was when they now said, okay, now we're going to pour out the incense. What is the indication of the significance of pouring out the incense? I mean, any, anybody watched Coming to America here? And you remember whenever the prince of Zam, or the king of Zamunda was passing, they would pour out the incense. They would throw out the fragrances. Those flowers are not just to color the floor. The guy couldn't care less. The flowers are supposed to perfume the air that he was walking into. And so when you hear that the fragrance is being poured out, it's because the king of glory is on the move. And so the incense is not going to be poured out until the bowl of incense or the bowl of the prayer of the saints is full. And here we are. God is doing everything to make sure that we're praying, but we're not praying. We're paying. We want to pay our way through everything. We want to throw money at everything. We want to throw all, kind of, all kinds of policies at things. And God is like, no, 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 no. All of these things that I am causing to happen and allowing to happen that I've written into the stories of your lives is there so that you can then recognize that it's time for you to play your part so that I can come and get you out of that mess. Rather than praying, we're busy panicking. Joseph recognized that it was time for Jacob to come and he needed to come very quickly. The Bible tells us that the revelations, I think it was John speaking. He said, and I heard the spirit and the bride, they say, come. The spirit on his own, he's saying what he needs to say. We are the ones who need to agree in prayer for him to come. Let me tell you something. Quit praying for the election. You have heard it again. God has already chosen Stop praying for the return. Stop praying for coronavirus to go. Stop praying for Jesus to come. You see, we have been praying amiss quite a lot. When our prayer should be just one. Because I can, let me tell you something. We have seven problems. And we can spend seven years praying for our seven problems. And God will answer those prayers. But the Bible says that instead of praying for those seven things, that there is one thing that we can just pray for. One prayer. Just pray for Jesus to come and he will take care of those seven problems. It is not rocket science, people. <laughs> but it might be because we need to get out of here. <laughs> so now verse 10, where I'm going to actually, the Bible says, you shall dwell in the land of Goshen. <laughs> Woo, come on. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me. You and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. 
He said, where shall you dwell? In the land of Goshen. When the exodus happened, where did the angel of the Lord go? To protect God's people. The word of the Lord came. And that was the angel of the Lord that rescued the people. And the word of the Lord came through Moses to say to them, anoint or, uh, or, or what's the word? Um, mark your houses with the blood of the lamb. Every house that was marked, where was it? It was in Goshen. So when the angel of death came and he killed all of the Egyptian children, he skipped Goshen because Goshen was the place, the pickup point. Before the angel of death came, all of the plagues that came, came to all of the neighboring towns and cities. But none of those came to Goshen because Goshen is the pickup point. So if you were an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and you were caught in Egypt, when the plague was in operation, you suffered the plague. Because the plague was destined for those places, but not Goshen. You see, Goshen is the upper room of the book of Acts. Goshen is the ark of Noah. Goshen is the place of preparation because that is where you will be protected and that is where you will be picked up from. And the children of Israel were required to be in Goshen. Not just them, but them and their children. So the question you're asking right now is, okay, where do we buy the ticket to go to Goshen? But God's so good, we don't have to go, all of us crowding into one small town, into one small village. Because what God was doing is, he was using these people as an example to prepare us. So that when the time comes, we know what to do. The simple solution is in you knowing the meaning of Goshen. You know what Goshen means? Goshen means the place of drawing close. <laughs> Goshen means the place of drawing near. And what the Lord is saying is this. The time has come for you to draw near to me. Not just you, but your children. And I'm not just talking about the children that you have given birth to. But I'm talking about everything that comes out of you. Every one of your thoughts need to draw close to him. Every one of your plans need to be close to him. The Bible says you and all that you have have to be in Goshen. Now you understand better why the devil is doing what the devil is doing. Every ad that you see on television today is there to get you to draw closer to somebody. They want you to draw closer to John Ossoff. Or they want you to draw closer to what's David Perdue. Is he Perdue? Yeah, you see? I don't even know how to say those names. Because I am so drawn. I am so much in Goshen. That I don't hear clearly what they're saying. You see? But I tell you what, everything that is in the world today is trying to draw you away from God. Everything is trying to draw you close to itself. And that is the reason why you cannot afford to allow your heart to be drawn after a football club or a basketball team or a political party. Your heart can only and should only be drawn to God.
He said it. He said, you. Let, let's read 45.10 one more time. Because you need to see that the last statement that was made there. He says, and all that ye have needs to be in Goshen. You need to pull back your heart from the places where it has been. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Many of us, our hearts are in the economy. Our hearts and our eyes are fixated on the stock market. Wherein you're always looking at it as it's going up and down. It's going up and down. And you lose your sleep. You lose your faith. And the Lord is saying, you know what? It's okay for you to be frugal. It's okay for you to be enterprising. But let your heart return now to Goshen. You and all that you have. You see, because what will make a difference between you and the world in the coming world is where your heart is. Every one of us will experience the same thing in the natural. But God is not after protecting the natural. He is after protecting the kingdom, which is what is in your heart. That is the reason why your heart needs to be in Goshen. You see, as I sat there and the Lord said to me, the shakeup is about to begin. He said to me, I heard it very clearly. He said, tell my people to return to Goshen. They need to draw closer to me once again. So I want to encourage you folks. All you need to do is very simple. Pray that Jesus will not be delayed. It is your responsibility to call on him. You know what? Let me just quickly explain something to us. And I don't want you to miss this. The Bible says Joseph sent to who? Sent to Jacob and asked him to come quickly. You see what I mean? Now, in whose interest was the coming of Jacob? Joseph was already the prince. He said, I'm already the Lord over this place. I'm doing well. Okay? So this prayer to speed things up is for your sake. Jesus is already in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. You are the one that is getting bullied. You and I are the ones that are getting deceived. You and I are the ones that are living less than our full potential. The Bible says that we were made in the image and in the likeness of God. Jesus says, as I am, so are you. But you and I both know that that is still a promise because we are not there yet. When was the last time that your shadow healed somebody? When was the last time you called for somebody to come back to life from the dead and they did? When was the last time you walked through a, a band of enemies and, you, and, and had invisibility and they couldn't get you? Even the flu gets you. And so in reality, we are the ones who need for the Savior to come. What, what other motivation do we need to pray? Because the more we delay praying, the louder the alarm is going to sound. The crazier people will get, the more destructive and antagonistic the system is going to get. I don't want to have to wait to see how bad it can truly be. I think it's already bad enough. Jesus, come. You see, the thing, the secret to that prayer is you cannot pray for Jesus to come without your heart drawing closer to him. You see, because he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And so when you're asking him to draw near to you, you are telling yourself to draw near to him. Goshen is the place 
of the drawing near. It is the only place that has been marked by God for your protection, for your peace, and ultimately for your redemption. If when the Lord comes, not if, when the Lord comes, he is coming for those people whose hearts are stayed on him, those who are in Goshen. Thank you for tuning in, and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.